Welcome to the podcast of Follow Baptist Church. Our vision and mission is to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. We hope and pray that you are blessed, challenged and inspired by this message. For more information on Follow Church, you can visit our website at www.followchurch.com.au. We're now going to hear from God through His Word. And if you would, uh, if you have a Bible next to you, near you, unlock that phone, swipe through to 2 Thessalonians. We're in chapter 3, verses 6 to 18. And we'll be up the back there on the projector as well. But if you don't have a Bible, you'd like to follow along. There are baskets down the, uh, all the, the aisles, the hallways. You can grab that and read through. And if you don't actually have a Bible yourself, that's yours to keep our gift to you from, uh, from follow. So let's read 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, 6 to 18. Warning against idleness. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked day and night, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we did not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They're not busy, they're busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. Take special note of anyone who does not obey our instructions in this letter. Do not associate with them in order that they may feel ashamed. Yet do not regard them as an enemy, but warn them as you would a fellow believer. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand, which is the distinguishing mark in all my letters. This is how I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Invite Brother Ray up to share God's word. Thanks, Lockie. God bless you this morning, church. Great to see everyone here. How is everyone today? That's good, about seven of us. See Paul up here today without a guitar. Pretty courageous of him. wonder if he felt uh, slightly naked. Uh, didn't have his fig leave today. God bless you, Paul. Awesome. Courageous effort. Just about as courageous for me to get up here and look at all your scary faces today. So would you help me this morning and um, smile? Thank you. Takes a little bit of the pressure off. We're looking at work today and not being idle. Uh, Victoria Police didn't help me. I finished work at two o'clock this morning. So I can encourage you to say that I haven't been idle. Uh, But let me not be long-winded this morning. Hallelujah. Uh, 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 only have, we'll talk a lot more when I'm uh, often weary. Uh, I'll try to be brief, succinct this morning. Uh, verse 13 is the only verse that the Lord has particularly put on my heart. I've studied uh, the passage in, in, in full, in, uh, quite thorough, thorough, thoroughly. If you want to talk to me about any portion, I'd be happy to have a chat with you afterwards. And it'd be nice to say hello and get to know some of you. Um, um, 
I um, had a trial that was due to start Monday. Thankfully, it's been um, resolved, and uh, which takes a lot of pressure off my life. So um, I'm grateful moving into the new season, what the Lord's going to do in this church, uh, the elders and the uh, ministry expressions and the way that we want to continue to impact. And, and can I, on a personal note, just say for me, I felt as an elder um, a little bit distracted and busy due to my daily uh, occupation and the Lord's really burdened my heart to get involved more as a family uh, with people in the church, brothers, sisters, leaders and have more people over. So we look forward to doing that in the new year. So um, thank you for your patience with me, church. Um, It's greatly appreciated. Um, um, And if you want to put an appreciation card, uh, you can can do that too. Uh, Verse 13 is the only verse we want to look at and it says this, As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. I want to talk about just simply uh, not growing weary in doing good. Um, The reason it says for us not to grow weary in doing good is simply because we can. How many know what I'm talking about? It is so possible to grow weary in doing good. So let's just pray and ask the Lord to help us. Lord, what a joy it is to be together with your people, your church, our church. I'm asking that today you would help me, Lord, uh, say what you would want to say. And I pray, it's my prayer, that you would set our hearts on fire, that we would draw closer to you, that you would use me today. Um, Help me to be succinct. uh, Help me to be brief. Uh, May we leave this place blessed, encouraged, challenged, stirred, but uplifted. May we not grow weary. We ask, we pray this. Also, I want to do pray for Pastor Luke. Lord, continue to bless his incredible trip Uh, What a joy to see him experience um, Israel and all the many blessings. Um, We look forward to hearing sermons and words as the places that he's visited, Lord, will bring uh, the scripture to uh, life uh, in his heart and that he will then share that with us and encourage all of us. Bless him, bless the Baptist Union that has supported him in this. And we just pray your blessing on his family right now. I pray a blessing on this church in his absence, Lord. We thank you that you are trustworthy, faithful and true. Keep us all safe and be glorified in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray and God's people said, Amen. Amen. Growing weary in well-doing. Well, as we wrap up this book, the church uh, was growing weary. Thus, the word from the Lord spoken through the Apostle Paul. Chapter 1, they're being persecuted, so there is trouble on the outside where people are being dragged away. Paul himself had to flee the town and uh, is now in Corinth with Timothy and Silas and writing to them from a distance. He only stayed with them two or three Sabbaths and then he departed from that city. And this church is facing incredible difficulty for being a believer. Perhaps some of you have faced difficulty this week for being a Christian, maybe you voted no on that vote and there's difficulty as they are now victorious and yes has the vote. Perhaps it's something like that for you. Chapter 2, it's not the persecution from the outside, but it's theological issues. Has the Lord come back? Has he not? Are we living after the return? So let's not work anymore because Jesus has come back. Maybe you, there's been a weariness just due to uh, theology and the wrestling of, of, of scripture and, and what some Christians say against another scripture. And if all of that's not enough to make you weary, um, you come to church and you're just surrounded by lazy people or people that you think aren't living the Christian life and you think, why should I bother? Why should I uh, live for the Lord? 
These are the discouraging factors that the church in Thessalonica faced. Read this interesting story. Susie, she called a friend to ask how she was feeling. Her friend said, I'm feeling terrible. My head is splitting. My back and legs are killing me. The house is a mess and the kids are driving me crazy. Susie was full of compassion. She said, listen, go and have a lie down. I'll come over right away. I'll cook lunch for you. I'll clean up the house. I'll take care of the children while you go and get some rest. By the way, how is Sam going? Sam? Who's Sam? Your husband, Sam. How is Sam? I don't have a husband named Sam. My goodness, Susie said. I must have dialed the wrong number. The person then said, but are you still coming over? (laughs) I want to talk to you about weariness, like Susie's friend felt in her weariness. And if you're feeling weary today, understand in chapter 2, it speaks about God's part and our part. So when we talk about weariness, what I'd like to focus on today is our part in getting out of weariness. A bit of a checklist a bit of a spiritual checklist, if you like, about your soul, about your heart, and the weariness that you may be feeling. Now, 2 Thessalonians, our chapter, obviously, just prior to this one, verse 15, it says, So, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings that we passed on to you. And then he says in verse 16, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us by his grace and gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, Verse 17, listen to this. Encourage your hearts and strengthen you. So in verse 15, he says, I want you, brothers and sisters, to stand firm. I want you to hold fast to the faith. That's your part. And then he says in verse 17, I have every confidence that the Lord Jesus Christ, our God and our Father, will encourage and strengthen you. So when we talk about not growing weary... I understand there are two parts. We can't do God's part, but I'm confident that God will always do his part. Part I want to talk about, a real practical side of things, if you like, is our part. What we do, how we can grow strong in our faith. And want to parallel, if I may, um, a bit of a fitness regime or a, a bit of health in the same way that we would try to be healthy with our own body. Anyone go to gym? Anyone sign up, being that we're coming into summer? Everyone wants to get shredded. Everyone wants to get their beach body. Except for me, obviously. But everyone else, right? So as it relates to being shredded and getting your beach body, fitness experts will say this. And I want, us to, I want to use this analogy as it relates to our spiritual life. They will say this, that if you're truly going to make it and, and get to your goals and, and, and be all that you can when it comes to physical health and well-being, you're going to need a partner. And can I say that is also true as it relates to us spiritually? People who analyse fitness, they'll say the number one factor in sticking with the program is having a workout partner, someone that will keep you accountable. Somebody that says, I'm going to meet you at 6am at the gym and we're going to get stuck into it. Somebody that says, I'm going to meet you at the park and we're going to do a 5K run. Come on, you can do it. Did anyone do any of this? (laughs) Uh, 
someone that's going to get in your face and say, come on, man, stop being soft. Stop being a wuss. You need to get up. Let's go. We're going to do this fitness together. Keeps you accountable and keeps you on track. We need that. And can I say, that's not just true physically with fitness. This is also true spiritually. We need a community of believers, brothers and sisters that will get around us. Hebrews 10.25 says, Don't give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We need each other, church, to keep the fire burning. I love fires. Growing up, I love fires. Um, my parents uh, had, to re- had to replace uh, our fence a number of times due to the 1.25 bottle of Coke that we would burn. There's nothing like boys and fire. God has put a wonder in boys, I reckon, for fire. And fire is not good in a fire pit. It's got to be on the end of a stick being waved around in someone's face. And I used to love getting a big Coke bottle or a milk carton on the end of a stick as a, as a young fella and getting that in the fire. And it makes an awesome sound, doesn't it? As you've got the, 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 you know, the, the plastic bottle melting along the fence line as you kill the bugs that are stuck in the fence palings. Go inside only to find that the whole fence has gone. <laughs> I kid you not, in, in, in my job, uh, it, we're assigned to investigate fires along with fire investigators, any suspicious circumstances as it relates to fire. And there isn't a week that goes by that on shift we're called out to a fire that the family will say, this, is, this must be spontaneous combustion. <laughs> we have no idea how this fire started in the bedroom. And, and I, I, all I have to do is ask, do you have any children uh, particularly do you have any boys? And sure enough, there's a little boy. He's looking very sheepish. He's very shy. And he's been playing with matches under the bed. <laughs> we recently had a fire at, at, at um, just at a house in a fire pit contained. And uh, I had some old red gum sleepers that I'd cut up and put in there. And those things burn all night. Great wood to burn. And the next morning I get up. And sure enough, the coals from that red gum are still glowing red and, and it's still burning. I had a couple of other pieces of wood. Now, there's no need to start the fire in the morning. I'm going off to work. But there's something cool about just watching that reignite itself, you know. <laughs> so sure enough, I see the flame as I'm getting ready to go to work. I'm thinking, yes, an all-nighter. And my wife you know, would encourage you, put the fire out, you're going to work, what if the house burns down? No, it's in the pit, you know, it's in the fire pit. But here's the thing, the easiest way to put the fire out, many of you know, is sim- simply separate the coals. You separate those coals, those little pieces of wood, those embers that are there, and sure enough, within moments, that fire will put itself out. Can I say, spiritually, it is exactly the same for you and I. It's for me. You grown weary? Can I ask you? Who's your partner? Who's coming alongside you? Because the easiest way for any of us to go out, go out is to simply be alone. We need partners in this thing, church. Look through the scripture, you see it again and again. Moses had Joshua. Elijah had Elisha. Paul had Timothy. 
Jesus himself had 12 men in uh, Matthew 26, Garden of Gethsemane, his darkest, most troublesome time. He calls Peter, James, and John. He calls three men and he says, my soul is exceedingly troubled. Please come with me. Please pray with me. Who have you got in your corner? Can I encourage all of us that if we don't have anyone that we're partnering, as it were, in the faith, that you get somebody that will come alongside you, that can encourage you. Brothers, get a brother. Sister, get a sister. Somebody that you can get with. And not talking about footy, not talking about UFC or Clash of Clans. You can get with them and you can say, How's your faith? What's tempting you right now? How's your marriage? How's school? Is anything burdening your soul? What's stressing you out right now? How can I pray for you? And like coals in a fire, we have the capacity, the ability to fire one another up. Amen? That's page one down. We've only got one to go. See? I had a way to make you not weary then. That worked. <laughs> Number two. Two. Like Hayden's sermon, three points, Hayden? Mine's seven. Number two. <clears throat> Number two. We'll go quick, don't worry. You've got to enjoy it. Point number two, church, you have to enjoy it. If you're not going to grow weary, you've got to enjoy it. If I may use now the, the analogy of marriage. It's, it's one thing to know about marriage. You can study marriage and marriage books, but the best way and the best part of marriage, believe it or not, is being married. <laughs> now, no... No funny comments from anyone at that stage. But I'm serious. It, it, you know, you can learn the, the classic important one lines of marriage, such as, like, honey, I'm sorry. That's a great learn to line, brothers. <laughs> S- sisters, a, a, great, a great learn to line is, no, 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 it's, it's okay. You can drink with the fridge door open straight out of the bottle. <laughs> That's, a, that's another good line. What about this? Honey, I know you're not lost. You're just finding a deliberate shortcut. <laughs> Important lines to learn. <laughs> good to study marriage. But the best way to have a great marriage is really being married. Sorry, I, I, I'm trying to be subtle about it. What I'm talking about is the honeymoon. Is that enough? Yeah? I'm talking about intimacy. It's one thing to talk about marriage externally, but there is something incredible that God has allowed in every home and every marriage, and that is intimacy. That's part of the good stuff. All right, keep moving, Gunton. Keep moving, they say. Okay. You can get bored with studying the stuff. It's about being in it and loving it and being intimate and being close with no one else. It's the same with Christianity. You can study Christianity, you can memorize verses, but there is nothing else like being intimate and close 
and personal with Jesus Christ. And if that, if that is a shock to you, if that's kind of weird to you, I'm going to show you some examples. And I tell you, as I read these, I am personally convicted. I am personally challenged. I am personally moved by the psalmist, by the Apostle Paul. I'm moved by those words that we sang today. We sang the words, your love, it is deep. Your love, it is fierce. Your love is furious. Your love is wild. Your love is sweet. Did you read those words? Did that make you feel kind of weird and uncomfortable? They're powerful words if you have experienced such intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about knowing about it, but it's about knowing him. Psalm 63, look what the psalmist said. He said, you God are my God. Earnestly I will seek you. I thirst for you, my whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and behold your power and your glory. Behold, your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. A powerful, powerful psalm. The cry of the psalmist's heart. Not just Old Testament, New Testament too. Philippians 3, 8 to 10. What is more, Paul says, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness that comes from the law, but comes through faith in him. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. In verse 10, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. He says, I don't, I don't just want to know about him. He'd been studying the Old Testament. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He says, I want to know Christ. One more, Ephesians 3, 17 to 19. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray, this is his prayer, that you be rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of God's holy people to grasp How wide, similar to the song, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Oh, have we got that? That you may know his love that surpasses. It's beyond anything here. It's amazing, isn't it? It's like going to a concert or trying to explain an event. And when you look at the person, all you can say is, "Uh, uh, uh, you just had to be there. Have you had one of those moments? I can't explain it. I can't put it into words. You just had to be there. History records brothers, sisters that had such an encounter. What about us? Brother Lawrence About 400 years ago, a best-selling book has been written about him. He never wrote a book. I don't know if he would have even seen himself as capable. He was simply a dishwasher. And and he couldn't wash dishes due to being a soldier in his, if you like, previous life. And then he became a sandal fixer, Brother Lawrence. But due to his conversations that he had with people, people saw such a grace of God upon this life 
conversations that he had with them, they wrote them, they penned them 15 years after he died and it's become now one of the greatest writings ever used by theologians across the ages and it's called Practicing the Presence of God. And listen to what Brother Lawrence says, similar to that of the psalmist. He said, I I presently recall by inward emotion so charming and delicious thoughts that I am ashamed to mention them. Have you had thoughts about the Lord that are so delicious that you are ashamed to mention them? That kind of just makes you feel weird. I could have read the paragraph in which delicious thoughts, uh, you know, was connected to, but I've chosen not to due to the fact that it might make you feel very uncomfortable. Blase Pascal, if I'm blase, 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 Pascal, <laughs> French mathematician, a genius. He ran from God up until the age of 31, November the 23rd, 1654, at 10.30 p.m. Pascal met God and he was profoundly and unshakably converted to Jesus. And he wrote down on a piece of parchment, get this, that they found in his jacket three years after he had died. It was buried, it was sewn into his jacket. And this is what that parchment that he kept with him, it would seem, wherever he went were these words. Year of Grace, 1654, Monday, 23rd of November. From about half past 10 at midnight to about half past, uh, to about half an hour after midnight, fire. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not of philosophers and scholars, certitude, heartfelt joy, peace, God of Jesus Christ, God of Jesus Christ, my God and your God, joy, 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 tears of joy, Jesus Christ, may I never be separated from him. What a meeting that he had at his conversion with the Lord. Fire. One more, Jonathan Edwards, arguably the greatest theologian out of the United States. He's not a guy that is given to emotion. When he would preach, he would type out his message verbatim and read them that way. He would never look up from the page. He would look down and he would use the flattest monotone that he could, he could uh, you know, create and give. And he did that on purpose because he said this, if someone is going to be touched by my preaching, let it never be by my presence, but because of God's. He would go out into the forest and pray. And he said, I met God face to face and through that man, a great awakening I could go on and on, but we will stop so that none of us grow weary. But the common denominator is this. They pursued God. I don't know about you, but I I get this analogy, this picture of people that are preparing kindling around their hearth, just asking the Lord to breathe fire upon it. A people that are pursuing the Lord, building that kindling, saying, Lord, Breathe afresh upon me. Hallelujah. To know him. 
Third thing I would say is this, it needs to be useful. If you're not going to grow weary, our gathering, our Christianity, our faith has to be useful. What do you mean? Well, gym analogy again. If you're going to the gym week after week, time after time, and you're not seeing any results, you're probably going to stop. You're not losing that weight if you're uh, not, you know, getting the muscle tone that you required or wanted. If you're not feeling stronger and better, you're probably going to say, what a waste of time. I'm weary going to the gym. You're going to stop. Has to be useful, doesn't it? Well, good news, church. We were saved from something, sin, for something. And Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's handiwork created to do good works that God has prepared for us. Listen to this verse from 1 Timothy 3.13. This speaks specifically of deacons who have the, the managing or the serving role in the church, but it's true for everyone. It says, those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. Great assurance of faith for those that have served well. Other translations say you have built or you, you, you have gathered a great confidence in the faith, those that have served well. I reckon this is typified in the life of Stephen. Acts 6, they need people that will serve on the tables to help these uh, women that were being neglected and not cared for. Stephen has chosen to simply wait on tables. The very next chapter, Stephen is giving perhaps the premier sermon in the book of Acts. Ultimately, it cost him his life. But he is met by the Lord in a standing ovation as he's welcomed up into heaven. A guy who serves well in chapter 6 has great confidence in chapter 7. Here's the point. Where are we serving? If you want your confidence to grow, get involved in God's plans, in God's kingdom, in the church. It will create boldness and opportunity. This week I had a detective who runs a football club down in, down in Seaford. He asked me about the Blessed Collective and he said, can I get the whole football club? He says, man, all the, all the blokes, they're very selfish. He says, I hear about the food van thing you're doing. Can I get the whole football club to come down? Let them see some other parts of the world. Now, that probably can't happen, but, uh, uh, but the food van, the Blessed Collective, gives opportunity for voice. And they ask about my faith and my Christianity. About a month ago, we were executing a search warrant. It's what we call a level one search warrant at a property in Cranbourne. I mean Cranbourne. Um, <clears throat> and and as, as we're executing this warrant, level one warrants where we actually knock on the door. We don't use the big key to open the door. That, that would be level two. And if it goes to level three, you're really in trouble. There could be a big black truck with men in pyjamas uh, surrounding your house with all kinds of cool guns and toys. But this is the level one. This is where we have about 10 coppers and we approach the door, knock on the door. As soon as it's open, we, in essence, barge our way in. And so we're barging our way in. We get a briefing prior to the execution of this search warrant. And, and we're all there, ready to go. And as we enter into the house, as soon as the door opens, 
Guy pops his head out, it's you know, six o'clock in the morning. He pops his head out of the door, he's half asleep, he's looking around, wondering what all the faces and all these people, which is quite a confronting um, experience, as you can imagine. And as he's looking around, he's coming to me, he looks at me and says, Oh, Brother Ray, good to see you. How's church going, Ray? <laughs> all the cobblers look at me and say, What kind of church is he going to? <laughs> <laughs> executing a warrant at this guy's house and they just hang out their mates at church. <laughs> so, I, w- I wish I could say we went to the wrong house. <laughs> it wasn't. It was a guy from church. Thankfully not this church, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> just in case you're wondering. <laughs> We're all thinking, who is it? That's the verse where it talks about not being busy, but busy bodies. Not from this church. I go, set you free from that. But again, it was good. It gave me the opportunity to build what we call reciprocity. Fancy word for rapport. Let us into the house. But everyone asked me, tell me about church. See, when you're serving and you're reaching out, It gives an opportunity to show, to express assurance and confidence in your faith. I need to move because of time and I'll be very, very quick. But here's the point with this one. Every Old Testament principle, New Testament principle, there's an Old Testament picture. And in the book of Numbers, chapter 2, verse 17, we see as the people of God, the Israelites, moved in campsites around the wilderness for 40 years due to their disobedience, the tabernacle, which was God's holy place, the holy of holies, and there was a tent of meeting that was established in the middle of the campsite. So as the tribes and the 12 tribes of Israel would travel around in the wilderness, doing this loop out in the desert, the tabernacle would always be in the centre when they reset up camp. And guess who the people were that were closest to the tabernacle every single time the camp was set up? It was the Levites. It was the people involved in ministry that got closest to the presence of the Lord. Every New Testament principle, there's a New Testament picture. That's one of those. That there's just something about being in the Lord's work where you can feel the Lord's presence in a great way. Number four, very quickly, you've got to have the right goal. If you have a goal when you exercise just to lose five kilos, look out. You, like me, will find out that it doesn't work very well. Because when you lose five kilos quickly, your body has a memory. And your body liked those five kilos. (laughs) It was comforting to them. <laughs> and, 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 and when you lose those five kilos, your body physiologically has this memory that wants to get those five kgs back as soon as possible. Just in case a famine comes again, like the one you just put it through. <laughs> and in fact, it says, not only will I get that five kilos back, I'm going to get a couple extra... <laughs> for the stuff that you took in case that famine comes back and we're not replenished for a bit longer. (laughs) The more you diet, the bigger you get. 
Hallelujah. That set a few of us free right there. Just go to Christmas and eat, man. Relax. You know why? Because you have to, this is the, the saying, isn't it? it needs to be a lifestyle change. The point being is this, yeah, I've said about being brief. <laughs> stick to it, Ray, stick to it. It's this, it's this. If your goal in church, in Christianity, is to get your marriage fixed, what happens when it gets to where you think it is or should be? Is it to get your kids back on track? To get your life in order? Is it to deal with your mental demons, as it were? And then once that's done, you'll just go and do your thing again? Can I tell you that? That is not where it's at. Romans 10.4 says the end of the law is Jesus. It's that word teleos, from which we get the word telescope. The end of the law, the telescope always points to Jesus. The goal of the Bible is Jesus. It is not our marriage. It is not being the best we can be simply at our work. It is not our kids. The end of all of this is Jesus. It is not follow church. It is Jesus's church. It's not Pastor Luke, Pastor Dave, Ray, or anyone else's church. This is Jesus's church. We are to be Jesus's people. The end goal, the talios, is Jesus. Not short-term goals. Just want to come and get a wife. You might be rebuking the devil shortly, you know. (laughs) 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 Ah, Seek the giver, not the gift. Amen? Amen? Number five, church. You don't want to grow weary, church is important. I tell you, sometimes it's hard, I'm sure, like it is for you as it is for me to come here. But you know, when I leave, I always leave encouraged. Thank you. Thank you for singing. Thank you guys for leading us. Thank you for worshipping. It encourages my soul greatly. Sometimes you think you're doing it alone. When we gather together, we see there are, another, there are others. There's a bunch of people that want to see Jesus lifted high and a generation of righteousness. Hallelujah. Number six, diet. As in, you are what you eat. You can't eat a kilo of M&Ms a night and be healthy. <laughs> you can't eat a tub of ice cream and be healthy. What goes in? Same with the, same, same with the Lord. You, you can't be just eating as it were, consuming the world's junk. Isn't it, this is the issue, isn't it, with social media? It's a trap for me that we can have such a vast knowledge of everything, a breadth of knowledge and no depth of knowledge. We know everything about everything, but we actually know nothing about anything of substance anymore come to dinner, sit with the kids, and we're all on our phones. I'm thinking about getting one of those jammers in Thailand and just shutting out the, you know, my household and every other household in my community. So, <laughs> so no internet. Let's talk to each other. <laughs> Number seven, and this is the last one. You'll be glad. <sighs> power. Hey, if we're going to do this, church, we need some power. You ever try to push a car? 
Ever been that hero that's got out on the side of the road to help somebody push their car off the road and only realise it ain't going anywhere? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what a joy it is to sit in the car, turn the key. You know, the engine starts, power steering kicks in and off you go. The great thing when a car does what it's supposed to do. Too many of us as Christians, perhaps right now, you are pushing this thing. It's all about you. It's all about your faith. And I know I've talked a lot about our involvement, but maybe for you, you need to reconnect with the power source. Acts chapter 2, here's a church that was just coming together and the Lord simply said, I want you to go to Jerusalem, tarry there, wait there for my spirit, my power to fill you and then transform you to do my work. Maybe for you, Christianity is all about what you do. Listen to Galatians 3. You foolish Rainer Gunton. Raynor is my full name, if you didn't know. French. (laughs) (laughs) Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly betrayed and crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? Ray, are you so foolish that after beginning in the Spirit, you are now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Ray, have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? Again, I ask, does God give you his Spirit And the work of miracles among you by the works of the law or by you believing what you heard. Hallelujah. If you allow Jesus, as it were, to be in the driver's seat of your heart, stay the passenger. Don't you yourself get back in behind the wheel and then say to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, I got this. Let him Stay in the driver's seat of your heart. Let him do his work. Put some kindling today around your soul so God can ignite us. And may we not grow weary, church. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah. As the worship band comes and gathers, I'm just going to pray for us. Soon morning tea will be served. We will catch up with one another and spend some time. But can I ask that you don't allow the, the word, the message, the truth that I've spoken today depart far from your heart. Maybe you need a partner in the faith, someone that you can be accountable to. Check your diet gather with other believers. I'm not going to go over it all. I just pray that God does a deep work in your heart. Father, how grateful we are that you give us your word, that you equip us, that you strengthen us. We are confident, Lord, that you will always do your part. May we, Lord, check and do a spiritual health check in our own lives, our own hearts. I ask that you would help us. Thank you for your word. May we seek you today in prayer in a quiet place. 
I pray that you would set our hearts afresh on fire for you. May we experience true joy and intimacy, Lord, with you, not simply knowing about you, but knowing you in a very real and personal way. Meet with us, I pray, and meet with every person here in this church. Lord, I ask and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church.